Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. We're in this series that we're calling Better Angels, where we're looking at some aspects of the Christmas story that had to do with angels. Luke chapter 1 is one of those. Before we get into it, uh, let me just mention that uh, I, I also want to add my thanks to the gifts that you bought. We, if you look out there on your way out, you see that the tree is pretty full with gifts. Those are gifts that you bought for less privileged people, people that uh, aren't necessarily financially where you are. <clears throat> and so this afternoon is the delivery time. Folks are going to come and they're going to sort out the gifts and get them in family groups and then they're going to take them out and deliver them in, into those homes. So today is the day and I'm, I'm mentioning this because we are two delivery families short uh, to be able to expedite this and, and get it done. We need uh, two more families, whether it's in this service or the next one. If you would come and see me right afterwards and let me know you'd like to do it. They're meeting at two o'clock, going to take about an hour to sort out the gifts and then everybody, about another half hour to take the gifts to the family, which is waiting. They're expecting it. You know, they've already had the contact. So if your, your family would like to be one of those that uh, could come in and help sort the gifts and give them out, starts at 2 o'clock today. So if you come see me so I can scratch, put your name down on the list, okay? All right, Luke chapter 1, we're going to start reading in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So you can't read through the Christmas story and not see angels here, angels there. It's all over the place and an angelic visitation has taken place. Christmas, the incarnation, when God became man, was a big deal in our faith. It was a big event in the world's history. It's a big event 
in our lives today because God could not be real to us had he not revealed himself to humankind way back then. So uh, I guess I want to start our study today with 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. It says, It was revealed to them, believers, that they were not serving themselves, excuse me, the angels, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, that's us, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. You see, there are some things that angels don't understand. They just have a hard time grasping. One of those things is this thing called grace. Angels don't understand grace. You see, if you remember, one-third of the angels in heaven rebelled against God with Lucifer. One-third of the angels were kicked out of heaven, condemned to life down here on this planet, influencing us. That's why we have such a hard time. One-third. There is no redemption for those angels. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to become a human, to identify with human, human failure like us. And at the end of His life, He died. What humans do, we die. We're sinners. But if we will accept what Jesus did on the cross... He will send His Holy Spirit into us and purify us, sanctify us. And we get a second chance. We get to start over again. Angels can't understand that. They don't get a second chance. Angels desire to look into this grace thing. And if angels can't figure it out, is it any wonder that people have a hard time accepting grace? We keep want to keep we, we keep strategizing to do the right thing. We want God's favor by doing something. And we get God's favor just by resting in him and what he did. Amen. Angels desire to look into this grace thing. So here's the first thing I want us to learn from the text we read in Luke. Big angels go into small places. Now, Nazareth was a small place. There wasn't any big industry or enterprises going on in Nazareth. Just a couple mom-and-pop shops, some people that have some trade passed on from their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. Nobody went out of their way to get to Nazareth. It was just this small hamlet, little hick town out in the middle of no place. And Gabriel one of the three archangels we find mentioned in the Bible, the big guy, the top dog. That's probably not a good illustration for an angel. <laughs> but uh, Chief Kahuna came down to Nazareth because there's somebody in Nazareth God wants to connect with. Nazareth kind of like Waterloo. Nobody goes out of their way to get to Waterloo, unless you're going to New Hope. I mean, it's a small town. 
But a big God wants to visit us. A big God wants to connect with us, relate to us. And he still does. In Acts chapter 8, verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. The desert road. King James says, it's a desert place. A desert place. Nobody wants to go to the desert place. We want to go where there's life, where there's excitement, where there's people, where there's movement. We want to go there. You don't want to go to a desert place where nothing's happening. But God called Philip to go down to a desert place because there was somebody down there, some remote, obscure person out of place that God wants to talk to. God wants to talk to people. He wants to reach people. He wants to favor people out in the middle of no place. So if you've ever felt that was you out in the middle of no place, God wants to favor that. God loves to reach into forgotten places. He wants to touch the lives of forgotten people. If you feel like God's forgotten you, I've got good news for you. Amen. You're the very person God wants to go after. Because if he can get a hold of your life, he will get the glory. Because you know better than to give it yourself to yourself. In my toolbox, I have a lot of the standard tools. You know, I got the hammer and a pair of pliers. I even got needle nose pliers. I got the Phillips head screwdriver. I even got a screwdriver where you can switch the, the heads on the end, have different, different kinds. Every now and then I'll come across some project I'm doing that takes some real little tiny tool and I got to go buy something new. Every time they're coming up with something new, you've ever, ever discovered that? I was inventing something new, so you got to go buy their, their stuff. And it's kind of like God in the church. There's some of us who are standard, and some of us who are a little bit on the odd end. But each of us is a tool designed by God for a specific purpose. You see, little tiny gets into where big won't. And God wants to speak to small people so he can cause them to grow. He doesn't want to leave us where we are. He wants to give us a life of significance, some kind of purpose. And so that's why we have such diversity in the church of Jesus Christ. And we wouldn't have that if we said, well, we are a church of this denomination and everybody believes the same thing here. Everybody dresses the same way here. Everybody recognizes the same gifts here. Well, we, we recognize God is a God of diversity and he wants to work through people. And if we we'll just kind of look around this morning, we'll see there's a whole lot of diversity here. Amen. That's God's plan. We need to be embracing of that. Big angels go into small places. We learn that from the Christmas story, and that's how they make us better. Here's the second thing. 
God highly favors people. Why doesn't God highly favor dogs? We don't read that any place in the Bible. I mean, dogs are man's best friend. Dogs are really cool. But God highly favors people for some reason. I'm a people. So God highly favors me. You are a people. God highly favors you. I don't know why, but he does. The problem is we don't recognize God highly favors us. We think we're just one of the crowd. But God loves to single out the individuals in the crowd and use every one of them. And he wants to use each of us. The angel said, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. One of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the angel's just giving that message, renewing that message again to Mary. There's two verses about angels I want us to see here in, um, in Hebrews. The first one's in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. He says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Without knowing it? If you saw an angel, wouldn't you know it? Not if that angel looked like a man or a woman, a homeless man or a bag lady, somebody that looks like they have nothing to offer us. I believe God allows these encounters. You know the word angel means messenger? That's what it really means. Could it be that God sends men and women who look like people that really don't have anything to say? God would send those people into our lives to give us a message and we don't even know it's a message from God? We don't even recognize this? Could it be that we should show hospitality because we could be dealing with an angel in disguise. We need to consider that. The other, the other verse I want us to see is in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 7. In speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. One version I read said he makes his angels winds and his servants flames of fire. In other words, God can send his angels to help us, to influence us, to guide us, to motivate us, to speak to us through any form he wants to. It could be an angel and we wouldn't even recognize it because it doesn't even look like a person. God wants to influence us. And the one thing we need to learn about Christmas where God stepped into the world is he, it's, it's, he opens things up between the spiritual realm and the natural world. That's what Jesus came to do. God highly favors you. And this is hard for us because for a lot of us, we know our weaknesses. We know our failings. We know how many times we've blown it. And we, we, we subconsciously say to ourselves, well, God, God knows I'm, I'm no good. God knows he can't use me. I don't have any gifts. I don't have much money. I don't have much talent. 
And so we refuse to accept the highly favored status that God has for us. If we'll accept it, we'll receive it. It's amazing what we'll see God do in our life. Here's the third thing on how angels make us better. We learn from the story. Angels can be troubling. It says in verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. He's a messenger of God. Wouldn't you think words from God would be peace-giving? No, because this, this angel just told, what's, told her what's going to happen in her. And she's thinking to herself, how can this be? This doesn't make sense. This, this must be a nightmare kind of thing. There's no way this is going to happen. It's troubling to hear what the angel says. Because angels don't tell us what we already know. Angels come to tell us what we don't know yet. And because we don't know it yet, it can be very troubling because we like to be in control of our lives. We like to have a plan in place, don't we? And angels come to give us a plan we didn't, we're not aware of. So it can be troubling. In Matthew chapter 1, <clears throat> actually this is... Uh, from uh, chapter 1, verse 20. It's uh, misprinted there. But after he had considered this, this is Joseph, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You see, Joseph had just been brokenhearted. He was engaged to Mary. They had promised themselves to be faithful to each other. And he knows he's never touched her. But she comes and announces that she's expecting. You, you see, you see the, the, what's going on inside of Joseph? His confusion? So he decides to quietly, so not to embarrass her, quietly separate, break off the engagement. It's going to be over. And the angel steps into the picture and says, do not be afraid to take her home as your wife. Don't be afraid to do this. Don't be afraid. And then the angel gives him this spiritual insight. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, do you think Joseph understands what was just said? What's conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit? He doesn't understand that. What he does understand is the angel said, don't be afraid to take her home as your wife. God's about to heal his broken heart. God loves to heal broken hearts. He loves to bring a happy ending to the story. So angels can be troubling because we don't understand what they're trying to show us. Here's, here's number four, the fourth thing. Angels calm our fears. Don't be afraid, the angel says. They calm our fears. There's two uh, psalms that I want to share that give us reason to have our, our fears calmed. The first is in uh, Psalm 34, 7. It says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them camps round. The King James says round about. It Im implies it's 
all directions. There is, there is no rear attack. He encamps around about me. He completely surrounds me. He completely watches over me and delivers me. The angel of the Lord's doing that. The angels that we can't see because they're in the spiritual dimension. All we can see is the problems. All we can see is the difficulties. But the angel of the Lord is camped round about us, sees every aspect. I can only see a few aspects. He sees it all. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Is that package from UPS going to get here tomorrow or not? I don't know. I just got to keep my fingers crossed. But God knows when the package is going to arrive. Just have to trust him. Here's the second scripture from Psalm. Psalm 91 verse 11. For he will command his angels. Notice who commands angels. You don't command angels. He will command angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. To guard you in all your ways. Wonder what all means. Wonder if that relates to our finances. Wonder if that relates to my job. Wonder if that relates to my marriage. Wonder if that relates to my rebellious, stubborn kids that won't stay faithful to God. I wonder what all our ways means. I think it means all that stuff, don't you? He sends angels to guard us, to protect us from the attack of the enemy so we don't succumb. Angels come to calm our fears. If we could just open our eyes and take, get a glimpse into the spiritual realm, we could see God's protection right there beside us. Here's number five. God impregnates us with hope. Hope for the future. The one thing the world doesn't give us much of is hope. The angel said, you will conceive and give birth. It's not just a starter idea. It's going to go all the way through to the end. God is going to follow through with this. You see, often we look at the Bible as historical as a history book. This is recorded history. This is what happened back on the first Christmas. And we don't look at this as God's trying to teach us something spiritually about himself and how he feels about us and how he relates to us. And if it's just a history book, we only really need to read the Christmas story one time and then we can put it up. But it's much more than that. What's happening to Mary is, is uh, like a word picture or a parable for the rest of us. Because what God wants to do when we open our lives to Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, he wants to send his Holy Spirit inside of us as a seed planted. The Holy Spirit is God's presence, God's favor in us. It's not a one-time deal. It's like a seed that's planted and God expects it to grow. Amen. He expects that spirit inside of you to grow and mature and be what it should be. In Jude chapter 1 verse 6 it says this, 
and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. We know that that's talking about the one-third of the angels got kicked out of heaven when they followed Lucifer. Those, those are the demons. Those he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Because it says he kept them in chains doesn't mean they're locked up down in some pit down in the ground someplace. These are eternal chains. They're, yeah, they have limitations on them. God puts limitations on the demonic powers in this world. Notice how it describes those, those chains. Gloomy darkness. Have you ever could you ever have described what you were feeling on the inside as gloomy darkness? We sometimes call that depression. Anytime you felt the things going on in your life are like gloomy darkness, you understand where Satan's coming from. He, he, he knows he's under gloomy darkness. He knows there is no hope for him. He knows he can't get this freedom God created him to have back again. He knows that. And so the only thing he can do to influence us with down here is gloomy darkness. If you ever felt that in your life, you now know the source. You now know how to deal with it. You need to take authority over that power that's bringing gloomy darkness into your life. Because God come to let the light shine. Here's the second verse I want us to see. Psalm 35 verse 5 says, May they be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Shaft before the wind, and the angel of the Lord is like the wind. So when you bring in the harvest, you, you, you stomp it, you break it, and you throw it up in the air, and the wind blows the shaft away, and the grain falls. You pick it up, you throw it up again, the wind comes along, blows more shaft away, the grain falls. And you keep throwing it until enough shaft's blown away that you got grain to store for the, for the next year. The angel is like the wind that blows along, blows the shaft away, and we can't see the wind. You just feel its effect. Amen. This is how God works in our life through these angels. One more, Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying in midair. And he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth. To every nation, tribe, language, and people. To every nation, tribe, language, and people. This good news of grace, this presence of the Holy Spirit, this renewing that God is doing on planet earth among people isn't just for us white people. It's for the whole world. It's, it's not just for, for, for us Protestants. It's for everybody. It's not just for those of us that live here in America and we are, we are solid middle class citizens. It's for the poverty stricken rest of the world. 
We cannot keep it to ourselves. This is what missions is all about. It's taking what we've discovered and transporting it out there around the globe. We've got to keep the message moving. Because everything that stays in one place becomes stagnated. And we got to stir the water. Here's number six. Angels teach us patience. Oh, I hate that word. Patience. Verse 35 says, So the Holy One to be born. Future. The Holy One to be born. I'm giving you this word now so you know what's coming. But you're going to have to wait about nine months. God steps in to humanity. And subjects himself to the world system. That's what Jesus is. Nine months of maturing. If a baby's one month old, it's what we say not viable. It cannot live outside the mother's womb. It's got to mature. Then there's a second month, the baby becomes a little more mature. Third month, a little more mature. Fourth month, a little more mature. A human baby takes about nine months of a gestation period to come from uh, that, that initial embryo conception till it's ready to live outside the mother's womb. Nine months of sitting around and waiting. And yeah, making some plans and buying a blue or a pink blanket. Maybe having a baby shower informing grandma and grandpa, but you still got to wait nine months. God's Holy Spirit is like a seed planted inside of us. And there's a maturing that has to take place. And we don't expect a brand new born again believer to act like they're fully mature. They're going to make some mistakes. They need somebody who's a little more mature holding their hand and helping them along. That's discipleship. We have to wait on the maturing process. Some of us in this room have investments. And we could get that money out now if we needed it. But it would cost us a whole chunk. But if we wait till it matures, like if we wait for five years, ten years, till that maturity time comes up, now you can get the money with the interest. But you take it out early, it's hardly worth it. It costs you so much. They expect you to leave it in there until it matures. Dreams have to mature. Relationships have to mature. It's a big, uh, big mistake if you run into a marriage relationship or you race right into a, a, a contract with somebody and you, don't, you haven't let it mature. You don't understand all the ins and outs. How is it going to happen? Angels teach us patience. God is doing a work of maturity in your life in numerous areas. And you got to wait on God. Because God has some things. He's got to prepare you. He's got to prepare some other people. He's got to prepare some situations. You got to wait for the maturing. 
which leads me to the last one, number seven. Angels teach us submission. There's another word I don't like. I'm an independent American. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, the way I want to do it. So Americans are like that. We're fiercely independent. It's why it's hard to get us to agree together on anything. Because we all have our own opinions. But angels teach us submission. In, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 11, after Jesus had his encounter with Satan and the three temptations, it said, Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. I see a contrast here. The devil had been there for a while, tempting him. And when the devil finally learned he can't pull anything off on this guy, he's not going to say, okay. So he moves on. The devil left him. And as soon as the devil left him, the angels came. It's almost as if they don't show up at the same time. It's almost as if the, the, the devil sets us up with temptation. The devil sets us up with failure. He wants to keep us in bondage. And as soon as the devil gives up, then the angels come. What I want us to see is God doesn't leave us where, we, where he found us. He sends angels to lift us up, to minister to us, to strengthen us. And so it is with lordship, submission, surrendering to God. I've been lord of my own life. It's hard to change that. It's hard to trust God when I've, I'm the only one I've ever trusted. But I have to shift gears. And I have to step into this trust relationship where God can begin working in my life. In verse 38 of our story, it says, Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Let it be. So be it. King James says, Amen. Let it be to me according to your word. What you have said, I'm submitting to it. You said it, I'm going to trust. I'm going to let it happen. Mary has no idea how rough a road this is going to be. She has no idea what people are going to say. She has, she's going to find out. She has no idea that they're going to call for a census and she's going to have to pack up and leave the comfor comfortable neighborhood and the family that's been a support to her. She's going to have to go all the way up to this town of Bethlehem that she's probably never been to before. And they're going to have to register for this census for taxation purposes. And she's going to give birth to this baby out there in the middle of no place where there isn't even a room in an inn for her. She has no idea how tough this is going to be. She has no idea that as soon as the baby's born, an angel's going to come and say, Joseph, take that baby and the mother and get down to Egypt. Go down there where you don't know anybody even less. Go down there and stay there until I tell you to come back. Mary has no idea how, how tough this is going to be for her. But she says, okay, Lord, 
I trust you. I believe in you. Can you come to that place of saying, I surrender. I give it to you. I let you lead my life. I let you guide me. That's lordship. There's a difference between accepting what Jesus did on the cross for you, making him your savior. It's a whole other thing to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this. I know what your word says. I know what the Bible says about you and your character and how you're made up. And I know what you want to do. And I don't know what that's all going to take for me, but I'm going to surrender and submit to you. I'm going to make you Lord of my life. You're my king. It's a willful thing. You see, the angel just came to give God's message. Mary had to be the one to say, okay, be it unto me according to your word. Jesus already gave his life for your soul to redeem you, to give you new hope. But have you come to the place where you've said, here I am, Lord, use me. Use me. Whatever you say, that's good with me. That's lordship. That's when God can begin to work through you and do things through you. Would you bow your head with me? Lord, we thank you for these stories about the angels and how they involve uh, themselves in humanity. Father, we, it gives us hope. It gives us assurance to know we're not going through this alone. But Lord, you've clearly said in your story it requires a partnership, and we have to take some active place in opening uh, an invitation to you to come into our life. And so, Lord, we want to do that right now. We want to go beyond the salvation thing, and we want to ask you to come in and begin developing your plan. Bring about maturity. Let the Spirit of God inside of us grow and stretch and mature until we become totally different people and we become effective in the kingdom of God. While we have our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let me ask if anyone would want to run, raise your hand and say, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I'm not going to point you out, but God will see that step of faith. Anyone raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All over the room, people raising their hand. Praise God. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for each of the people that raise their hands. Father, I know the test is yet to come. It's one thing to say, yes, Lord, use me. It's another thing to see the maturity overwhelm us so that you become greater than us. So, Father, I pray that you'll see every hand that was raised, that you'll do a work in their heart. You'll do a work of renewal. Empower each of us to do what you've set before us, the work that you've called us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. Let's stand together. Angels. That word is used again and again and again in the Bible. We sometimes forget about the angels and we focus on gifts of the Spirit. We each have this Holy Spirit. We have different gifts. We forget we've got partnership with the angels in heaven all around us. Around us. You're not alone, church. This is, this is encouraging. It's a word of encouragement. Keep remembering this.
We're going to have some prayer partners up to the front to agree with you in prayer. If you have a prayer need, feel free to bring it. They want to pray with you. And if you'd like to be one of the families delivering the gifts, come and see me so I can get your name on the list. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can uh, study your word. And uh, the word has so much to say to us that's beyond our understanding. Help us, God, to put these thoughts together and walk in the path you set before us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Go with God. He loves you.